Thank you, thank you. Good morning, church. I'll just let you know that on that trip, um, there was lots of sleeping in the back seat. Uh, so they, were, they were fun on the trip, but lots of sleeping as well. But uh, we had a good time. Um, yeah, and last night was one of those uh, miracles last night for those of you who were watching uh, on the TV and watching our, our boys over in France. Um, you know, two things struck me at the end, more than the miracle of just winning by one point. And that was uh, Peter Steph de Toy at the end. You know, he was man of the match. Um, but just giving the glory to God for being able to play rugby, um, uh, just that was a miracle for me, just hearing him. And, uh, and then also seeing our president, um, the French president had his umbrella and he was holding it over President Ramaphosa while... while President Ramaphosa was handing out the medals. And that also was just a miracle for me that that was the French president blessing our president. And I just enjoyed that last night. I'm sure you did as well. Um, yeah, let's just also, just in prayer, let's uh, just lift up um, the Temple Hops um, with Mary Jane's passing or having their memorial service tomorrow here at the church. But we can just lift up them as a family um, as well as um, Mark, uh, losing Dawn, um, they, we're not sure when the memorial service is going to be for Dawn, um, that as well, and then also Jonathan in hospital at the moment, we can just pray for them. Lord, we just pray for these three families who really are going through the storm, going through tough times, and we just pray, Lord, your, your peace and your love just to surround them. Um, as they walk through this valley at the moment, Lord. Thank you for your strength made perfect in our weakness. Thank you for that, Lord. So we just commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, I wonder if my PowerPoint can come up sometime there. So in the, in the old days... Um, there used to be things called tracts. And when you say to people, oh, I'm going to give you a tract, these days people don't know what the word tract is. Um, but it was basically a pamphlet or a little booklet um, that you gave to people. And I used to keep a pile of tracts at the back of my classroom and, because they were like cartoons and the children would read them and they quite liked them. And one of the ones that really um, sticks in my memory is this one here. Um, where it was a tract about how a Christian walk um, should go in that order there, that the thing that our Christian walk is based on is a fact. It's the fact, historically, that Jesus died and rose again. And when we base that as our, our fact to, to pull our train, then we put our faith in that fact. So we trust then Jesus, we trust him for saving us and forgiving our sins. And when we do that, then the last carriage, which is our feelings, our feelings line up with the carriage that is pulling the train. And so Jesus is pulling the train, his resurrection is pulling the train. We put our faith in him, and then our feelings 
feelings of love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit, they line up with our faith in the Lord and the fact that He died for us. And it's not the other way around, because sometimes some of us trust our feelings too much, and we let our feelings pull the train. And that's a very dangerous situation, because your feelings can change very quickly. Um, we can be in church here and then go out on the street and be involved in a car accident, and suddenly our feelings are sad and, and have changed completely. So our feelings don't pull the train. Um, it's the other way around. And it's a fact that I'm married to Penny, and I've got great faith in, in my wife and in the covenant that we have before God, our, our marriage covenant. Um, but if I didn't have feelings for Penny then I'd be in serious trouble, okay? And so the importance of also having feelings in our walk with God, you can't just have head knowledge, the fact that Jesus died for my sins. Um, and it's not just necessary head knowledge putting your faith in him and saying, yeah, I believe he died for my sins. But God wants to work in our emotions as well um, because it's a relationship that we're in. Emotions are part of a relationship. So that was just um, as, a, as an introduction. But um, we want to look at just two scriptures today. So I'm going to ask KG to come up and read the first scripture for us. Um, and it's from the book of Luke. You can bring it up on the screen then. Um, Luke 7, uh, verse 36 to 48 says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from, from that city heard he was eating there, she bought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman here, kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, 
But from the, from, the, from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who, who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Thank you, KG. Okay, so, um, Simon was quite interested in finding out, because he was a Pharisee, finding out really where Jesus stood. He wanted to get the facts. So he was on the right track. He knew, he knew his scriptures, and he wanted to see whether Jesus was the Messiah. And so he invites him to a dinner. And Jesus enjoyed dinners. He was reclining at the table, enjoying the dinner. And Simon was now trying to get the facts. And enter this woman, who the Bible says was a sinful woman. And so Simon now starts thinking, well, Let's watch what Jesus does here. And uh, so what happens, what unfolds there is that Simon thinks that uh, obviously this is not the Messiah because he doesn't know the background of this woman. And if he was the Messiah, he would know the background and he, he wouldn't allow her to be so emotional because she was very emotional shedding tears and wiping his feet with her hair. And uh, so he gets the complete wrong end of the stick because he's just sticking to the facts. He's, he's got no faith that possibly this is the Messiah and possibly what he's teaching is true. Whereas this lady who came in obviously had met Jesus beforehand. And so... She was also Jewish as well, so she knew the Old Testament, and she knew that possibly the Messiah would come, and when she met Jesus, she believed that he was the Messiah, and she put her faith in him, because it says in, earlier in that scripture that when she heard that he was in the house, she, she on purpose came into the house with the alabaster jar, and so she, put her, she already had put her faith in him. And you can see her feelings line up with the faith that she's put in him, that she sheds tears of gratitude for what the Messiah has done for her. And Jesus just confirms to her that her many sins are forgiven. So you can see Simon there, only he wants facts. Just give me the facts. Tell me who you are. Whereas the woman puts her faith in the Messiah, and her feelings line up, and uh, she's a changed person. Whereas Simon ends up not being changed at all. And Jesus has to tell him the story, because he's not getting the, the picture. The story about the one who owed 500 and the other one who owed 50. And who is, who, who, uh, is, is the right one here? And Simon answers correctly. He said the one, the one who um, owes 500. Um, and he doesn't catch on 
that in fact he's the one who, who only who thinks he only owes the 50. Um, he doesn't owe much because he's self-righteous, um, because he's just wanting the facts and nothing else, because he's self-righteous and gets the complete end of the, the wrong end of the story and the wrong end of what, what, um, what Jesus is saying. You know, we're, and the woman, um, in her poverty and, and realizing that she, she needed a savior, um, she reaches out and is saved. When I was uh, much younger as a student, when we were studying in our, our group at university, one of the songs that we used to sing um, had a line in it that I never understood um, about our poverty, and you'll, you'll see it in, in the song now. Um, it's a simple little song. Um, but let's just play it. It's from Isaiah 55. See if you can pick up the line that talks about our poverty. Thanks, guys. I don't know if you picked up the line there, but he that has no money, come ye by and eat. And I didn't understand that. I can remember thinking, gee, that's a strange line. He who has no money, if you haven't got any money, are you going to come and buy and eat? It doesn't make sense. Not realizing that it's in our poverty, like the woman, in our poverty, we've got nothing. I enjoy uh, the Pharisees is because I, I actually see myself um, in, in them and, and sometimes their behavior, and I'm sure we all do, but um, okay, so I just want to, we just want to play another song uh, about the Pharisees. Okay, I don't know if this one will open, it must be a battle to open it early. From the 70s. Don Francisco.
Yeah, some truth in that. I think we can all see ourselves in the Pharisees sometimes. Um, okay, so Humphrey is going to come and read our second scripture for us uh, in Luke 18, 9 to 13. Um, Luke 18, verse 9 uh, to 13, says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like uh, other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector. If I, trusted, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at, the dis at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you. Or in 14 says, I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Thank you. So a similar situation, this is more a parable than an actual real-life thing, but Jesus tells this parable about the, uh, the Pharisee and, and the tax collector. Um, but again, we see the same pattern playing out where um, the Pharisee, um, his focus at the beginning is fit the facts. He says, I'm going to tell you some facts about, he's talking about his own self. I'm going to tell you some facts, God, about me. He says, I don't do this, I don't do this, I do do this, I do do this, and I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector. And so his total focus is not even on the facts of Scripture, Old Testament, but is on himself. You know, I can tell you about what I do and what I do and what I don't do. Um, there's no faith that, that God is, is doing something in his life. And he's quite cold, certainly cold towards the tax collector. So he's simply, his focus is just on the facts and his own facts, not even the facts what God's promises to him. Okay, whereas the tax collector is completely the opposite. Okay, he comes in, and he's also Jewish as well, because tax collectors were, were Jewish people who collected um, the taxes uh, for the Romans. He's also Jewish, so he knows the Old Testament, and so he knows that God can forgive sin. That is the fact that he's come, that's why he's coming to pray. He says, I'm going to go to the temple to pray, I'm going to pray that God will forgive my sin. So he knows the fact that God can forgive sin. Okay, he puts his faith in that by his posture, standing at a distance, not even looking up. He puts his faith that God is going to forgive his sins. His faith is in, in, the, in the Lord to forgive his sins. And the last verse says, Jesus says that this man, the tax collector, went home justified. His feelings would have ch changed 
and he would have known that he had been forgiven, that he had been justified. Okay, because he went through all three, he didn't just stop up here like the Pharisee did, just thinking about the facts about himself. You know, and that's that's the wonderful thing that, that God has made us. And he, he's made us um, emotional beings that it's it's not all just about um, understanding and, 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 and thinking things through, although that's important, God doesn't bypass our thinking. Um, but um, he has made us emotional beings. And interesting in that story as well is that um, the tax collector's idea of being a sinner is just a list of things. Rather like thinking that God is an accountant and, and he's just saying, okay, that's three for John and four for Mary and five for this person um, and hoping that one day your credits are going to outweigh your debits. Um, so he's just naming the things that he does do and that he doesn't do. Whereas the tax collector in the, in the parable he realizes that his condition, it's not about a list of things that he's done wrong in his life, but he's, he, it's his condition, it's the state of his heart. And he just comes broken before the Lord and says, forgive me, Father. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a state. I'm, I'm, I've got a heart that's in a condition that needs healing, that needs forgiveness. Okay, And so there's that difference in, uh, when, when you're just thinking up here, it's just a list of things. That's what a, being a sinner is. But it's not. It's actually a, a state, a state of heart um, that we have. And, and the Pharisee doesn't pick that up in that one. Um, you know, but the Lord says to us that, um, that in 2 Corinthians 5, that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. So God doesn't just, he hasn't just sent Jesus to, to stick on Band-Aid plasters to cover a certain list, okay? Behold, we've become a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new heart. The old has gone and the new has come. It's a complete regeneration um, through him. And so, just getting back then to our, our three points of facts, faith, and feeling, God has made us in his own image, and we have a relationship with God and part of any relationship is our emotions. You cannot have a relationship with someone if, you, if they're not emotions involved. Okay? God has made us emotional beings. And Paul, in a lot of his letters, he says that you may understand the peace, joy, and love in the Holy Spirit. That you may feel, that you may experience peace, joy, and love in the Holy Spirit. He wants us to feel it, the last carriage in the train. He wants us to feel the peace, joy, and love of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so it's, it's not about just the, first, the, the train in the first carriage, but it's, it's very important that in our relationship with God, we allow the Holy Spirit to minister His peace, joy, and love into our hearts um, to encourage us. Um, I love 
what Trevor Wood said the other day about, you know, that when um, you get saved, you were a sinner, but you now become a saint. And um, just God's peace, joy, and love is, is almost like a, a witness in your spirit that, that you are, that you have been changed. And what Trevor said the other day was that, you know, sometimes we still think that we're sinners. Um, and when God saves us, he saves us from our sin, and we're no longer slaves to sin. So we do still carry on making mistakes. Um, but we're not slaves to sin anymore. And so when God looks at you and I, he doesn't see our sin because he's given us a robe of righteousness. You, you and I have got God's righteousness. Jesus gave it to us as a gift. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees you as a saint. And so it's wrong for us then to say, you know, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. Okay, we were a sinner. We have been saved by grace. But now God's picture of us is that we are his children. We are behold what manner of love the Father has given us, that we may be called sons and daughters of God. We're not sinners of God. We are sons and daughters of God. And the old shame image of, in your guilt of when the um, tax collector came to, to, uh, to the temple and he, he had shame that he, his condition of his heart was so bad. But God took away his shame. And he now had an image, his self-image was one of, I'm a saint. I, I now can walk tall and I see myself as covered in a robe of righteousness. Um, and uh, that's, that's the wonderful thing about the witness of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit, is that we now have this witness that our self-image is not one of, of shame and, and focusing on, on the things we do wrong, but on this wonderful gift of righteousness that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Um, and the, the spin-off of that um, is that not only do we change when, when God does a miracle in our lives and Christ changes us, but people around us... Um, benefit because we, because we've been forgiven and becoming and have known God's grace, we become more gracious and forgiving to other people as well. And Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And that is the wonderful thing, is, um, the, the God's saving qualities and the presence of the Holy Spirit flows out to other people, love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. People sense that. And um, one of the famous American evangelists, Dwight L. Moody, had this quote. Um, one person might read the Bible, but 99 will read the Christian. And Paul in his letters says that we are living letters. And people read us and they will read uh, the love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit that you um, display, that you give out, that the Lord, uh, as he flows through you, uh, 
as the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's, it's not that we have to try and up our game. It's not that at all. The Lord just flows through us and makes us more loving people as we grow in Him. Um, and uh, we are blessing to those around us. So my encouragement to you then is, is just to, um, to press into God. Like that, the woman who um, came to Jesus, she, she came in and she sat at His feet. Um, and she was enjoying being with Jesus. And the, I think of Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha. Mary as well chose to come and sit at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, you, Mary has chosen the better thing here, to sit at my feet. And it's when we spend time with the Lord that, that and Holy Spirit works, that the love, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit fill us, and then we are... Um, empowered to go out into the world and be that living letter, that living word. And so my encouragement to you today is just to spend time with, with the Lord in your quiet times and just let Holy Spirit minister His love, joy, and peace. And then you go out into the world to be a, a blessing to those around you. Okay, so let's stand. Let's stand. <laughs> and we're just going to pray together. Um, Pray a corporate prayer. Um, if we can have it up on the screen, the next slide. This is um, sometimes called the Jude benediction, um, but it's just really an unto you, unto the Lord prayer. Um, so let's hold our hands out like this, unto the Lord, just up like that, and let's pray this together. Okay. Now. And to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.